What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I'm agnostic when it comes to renewable energy technologies. Whether it's wind, solar, green hydrogen, batteries, or whatever, we talk about it all. But no matter which technology or combination of technologies an end user chooses to deploy, it's crucial, I mean crucial, that the output and capabilities of those technologies are optimized. To reach peak optimization, more and more organizations are turning to digitalization. And to help make sense of all those isations, optimization, organizations, and digitalization, I'm going to be joined today by Krishna Vanka. Krishna is Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer at Fluence. The team at Fluence helps firms navigate the global clean energy transition by providing energy storage products and services, as well as digital applications for all kinds of renewables technologies. Krishna is going to walk us through how digitalization is helping create cleaner, more efficient power grids. And in a world where artificial intelligence has been hit by all kinds of negative headlines as of late, this conversation might help remind you that AI can still do a whole lot of good for society. Before we get rolling with Krishna, just a friendly reminder to check out other recent episodes of this podcast. On the last episode, we heard an outlook for renewables for 2023 from Tristan Gimbert and Raphael de Klerk at EDF Renewables. Before that, Larry Lawrence from Intercontinental Exchange joined the show to share his insights on the massive role data is playing in the world of sustainable finance. So we got lots of great information on this podcast from lots of leading minds. And before we hear even more from Krishna Vanka, Here's a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode, ABS Quality Evaluations. Get serious about sustainability. Assurance services from ABS Quality Evaluations can guide you with ISO certifications for environmental, health and safety, energy management, and more. Our globally accredited experts can help you become energy efficient and save overhead costs. Go to www.abs-qe.com. Or click on the link in the show notes to learn more. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. My guest is Krishna Vanka, the Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer at Fluence. Krishna, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks for uh, inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, it's certainly great to have you on. Now, obviously, with a guest like you, we're going to be talking quite a bit about digitalization when it comes to renewables. So let's kind of set the table real quick for our listeners, or set a baseline, if you will. What role does digitalization currently play when it comes to renewables and energy management? Sure. If you look at the textbook definition of the energy management, right, it's essentially managing the energy flow through four stages. Think of it like, you know, procuring, generating, distribution, and consumptions, right? So a couple of decades ago, you know, it's essentially a one-way flow of energy, right? It's coming from a couple of sources and you are applying all the engineering practices uh, to get the efficiencies. And the biggest driver was the economic objective, you know, getting the economic efficiency as possible. And today we have the whole environment aspect and the legislation that is playing a key role in how we take this industry forward. So along with engineering objectives, I think we have developed great management techniques and, you know, how we look at the business and we are looking at getting best efficiencies in all these factors. And looking at generation of energy specifically, we have a variety of flavors, right? Like renewables, which are somewhat unpredictable. And then the storage, which is really a two-way system. And finally, the distributed energy systems where, you know, consumerization of uh, energy generation. 
in you know in my view when complexity of an industry like this multiplies with you know all these add-ons coming from different places it is the digital that really holds the key for success when you have this matrix of conflicting priorities and you know multiple sources getting into it the complexity also really roots from the fact that data which is considered core of decision making in any of uh, a situation a system like this when data generally explodes and you collect lots of data it is the digitalization and the digital applications that can really help us make sense of data and make proper use of this data so the biggest role digitization plays in the energy ma- this complex energy management where we are today is ability for us to understand the data make sense of data and use this data effectively Okay, now when we talk about technology advancements and things like that, you know, one of the most common things or popular topics is artificial intelligence. And a lot of times AI is in the news for, for bad things, if you will. I think the latest thing is, you know, AI, you know, college kids are cheating using AI to write their papers and things like that. But, you know, it seems like in this case, AI could serve a, a positive purpose. How do you see this role of digitalization evolving, you know, as advancements like AI and other things enter the marketplace? Yeah. So I'll start where I left off. So the data, right? So, you know, it's, it's as I said, the core reason for the software and digital is to make sense of the data. So there is a fundamental principle on data. It's called garbage in, garbage out, right? So any properly developed software system has to essentially manage this data very well from the ingestion to the decision-making step, right? And I think the recent advancements, as I said, in AI and whatnot are helping us significantly in getting the real value from data. Let me explain you this through an example. Like at Fluence Digital, our software, you know, we go through these few steps. The first step is making sure the data is coming from right sources and we are actually pulling it from multiple fronts, right? It's the weather sometimes that is important in the decision-making process, et cetera, for example. And once we have it in the system, our machine learning platform, you know, the ML, as we call it, uh, you know, really helps find the patterns and the historic trends, right? What's happening historically? What are the patterns here? And then we combine these findings with our algorithms that take care of the user's ultimate goals. As we spoke, you know, sometimes it's the economic uh, value, sometimes it's the environment, sometimes it's the legislation. So, you know, we believe like every user has a different ultimate objective they want to achieve. And these objectives also change and evolve with time as is the products mature and adoption increases. So our, you know, machine learning algorithms, uh, you know, ultimately takes care of what user wants. And then we use the AI to combine these algorithms and the machine learning patterns, essentially, this is like the third step if you think about it. So the AI combines these and then it generates the best outcome that our customers expect. And wherever possible, automation, which is again an evolving technology, we talk about autonomous cars, similarly, the autonom- uh, you know, automation is coming everywhere, right? It is the automation that the platform ultimately provides and it's the trust that gets established between user and the automation, which lets us to the adoption. So we use the same approach for both of our products. Um, we have a product called Mosaic, which is automated bidding application for renewables that goes through these few steps I mentioned. And uh, it is very key for not only battery, it is also key for, you know, 
all the renewables, we can talk more about it. And then our Nispera product, which is really an uh, intelligent asset performance management platform, uh, which is deployed across the world. They also go through this type of a process I mentioned for us to be able to predict, hey, you know, how is an asset performing? So I think the key of, you know, where we are going, what we are able to deliver to the market today is coming from these advancements in AI and ML at a higher level. So obviously, this is a podcast about renewables and renewable energy. And you started to mention some of the ways that these applications are used in certain, you know, battery or things like that. But, you know, what are some other examples of how these digital applications, you know, improve the ROI for various renewable technologies? Sure. Uh as I mentioned, both of our products are focused on the users. Um, and when I say users, it really translates to the ROI, you know, but the ROI comes in different forms. For example, the mosaic bidding application is all about optimizing the bidding choices and generating the highest amount of revenue for the users. So it's the top line that our renewable energy users are looking for, you know, the operators and the asset owners, right? And we even ended up creating a specific version of this platform just for renewables, for example, in North in Australian market. That's what we call NEM. It's because the rules for the renewables are very different there and the approach is unique. And if you look at our Nispera asset management platform, wind and solar are our key assets on the platform today. And, you know, we specifically built modules for these asset classes. We have what we call PV digital twin. You probably know the concept of digital twin. So photovoltaic digital twin is something very unique on the platform. We proactively find and also try to rectify issues at a string level on a PV. So this way, in this case, the ROI is really the performance of the asset, ability to operate the asset and bring the best operational efficiency. So as I mentioned, you know, based on, you know, whether it is bidding, it is the top line revenue, whether if it is the NISPRA, it is the bottom line, ultimately operational efficiencies. We manage about more than 16 gigawatts of assets uh, across both the platforms. And I believe we are just getting started. So this is how the digital applications are helping. They're helping not only to go live, but also during the operations and to ultimately get the top dollar for renewable resources specifically. And you mentioned PV and would energy storage assets be kind of folded into that whole platform as well? Great question, Sean. Uh, storage has its own unique challenges, in my opinion. Uh, it's because, you know, it goes to the fundamentals, right? Storage means two-way flow of electrons, which means two-way flow of data, again, going back and forth, right? The systems also have to be designed for scale and performance because the amount of data you collect through a storage asset is uniquely pretty high. Uh, but at the same time, yes, storages, either when you come combined with renewables or even as a standalones, you know, can provide unique uplifts. Like, for example, on the Mosaic platform, we see like the storage is almost giving like a 40% uplift for our customers when deployed properly, whereas sometimes renewables are a little bit less. And this is because storage has, you know, higher opportunities for ROI than just beyond generation. Storage can be used in, you know, like the whole grid reliability or it helps in transmission and so on. We'll be right back. It's time to get serious about sustainability. Assurance services from ABS Quality Evaluations provide your customers and stakeholders confidence in the high standards of your operations. With over 30 years of experience, we can guide your sustainability journey with key ISO certifications for environmental, 
health and safety, energy management, responsible care, and more. Our globally accredited quality and risk experts can assist you in reducing your carbon footprint, becoming energy efficient, and saving overhead costs. Go to www.abs-qe.com or click on the link in today's show notes to get started today. And now back to my conversation with Krishna Vanka, Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer at Fluence. You mentioned grid reliability, so I just kind of want to just dive into that a little deeper. So how do these applications improve overall grid reliability and, and it sounds like efficiency as well? Yeah, I mean, our grids are essentially designed, you know, not for renewable assets, right? They're designed for the old school in many ways. So when you when you add renewable assets to the grid, the variability and intermittent of the renewable asset throws a lot of challenges into the process, right? And renewables are anything but a steady stream. You're essentially depending on the nature, which is a great thing, but at the same time, you know, it is pretty variable. So what, what does this really translate to, you know, when, when some production stops, suddenly you have to rectify it within microseconds. You don't have a long time of uh, rectification process here. It has to be super fast and it poses a very serious problem for the grid if you cannot do it. So uh, this is where uh, digital applications uh, play a critical role. It is bringing the reliability and stability to the grid. It is our ability to rectify faster. And without digital applications, I don't think you can do much of this because that's the brain behind the operation, right? And also the AI-based software solutions allow storage assets to respond to grid needs with that speed I mentioned, which is very important. If you take Mosaic, our bidding application, as an example, it's not only just bidding the energy, but it's the ancillary services that we also provide to the wholesale markets, which helps us for the grid reliability, either it is regulation or spinning or non-spinning reserve products. Uh, all of these help the grid to be stable. And all of these are essentially software-driven decision-making processes on when to provide the regulation and how to you know, spin in the right format for us to get that uh, stability in the grid. So this is how I think you know, digital applications are contributing um, you know, for the grid stability directly and also indirectly. Okay, now when it comes to transmission, you know, how are these technologies going to be able to help us do more with less? Because right now there's a huge backlog. And so we can't wait for all that transmission to come online. So we're kind of stuck with what we got or with what we're going to add slowly, as anyone will tell you. So yeah, how do we do more with less? Absolutely. That's a great question. And uh, that's one of the biggest factors of using energy storage uh, as a transmission asset. Let me try to explain this to you in simple terms, right? Like the transmission is built with an plus one redundancy factor. Or in other simple terms, there is a main power line that we use, and then there's a backup power line that is only ever used in case of emergencies. But once you put a battery energy storage system on either end of the existing transmission line, you can then literally use those batteries as the backup. You don't really need the second line, right? So the second line suddenly became available, and you now can double 
the utility of your existing infrastructure without having to build a new transmission line. And of course, when you talk about this complex system, when you're, when you're talking about the ba battery energy storage on either ends, this is where the software plays a critical role, right? Like the batteries need to be super intelligent, microsecond, even milli, milli or microsecond uh, reliabilities to respond and also ability to dynamically adapt to these emergencies and change. So I think this is, this is again, get something that is getting started as, you know, we look at deploying more of these battery assets. These are the types of innovations that can happen that not only helps battery as a, you know, classic storage system for solar or any other source, but also, you know, solving the greater problems with transmission, grid reliability, and so on. And are your applications, you know, technology agnostic when it comes to battery, meaning like, you know, lithium ion or iron flow or even you know the energy vol guys are doing you know concrete you know kinetic type stuff so for your applications does it matter what the underlying battery technology is no we we try to you know stay outside that level of uh, you know involvement with respect to the actual battery technology if you actually look at how we describe the fluence we have our cubes which are you know the physical batteries and then we have a fluence operating system that sits on top of it that's providing the communication or the intelligence uh, to manage the batteries and then we have these digital applications like mosaic and nispera that sit on top of it so they, they are definitely abstract from the core details on what's inside the battery or how the battery operates. That's fascinating. Okay, now just shifting gears a little bit here. Since the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, I've been asking all the guests on this show how that's going to impact their individual markets. So how do you see the IRA impacting the, the markets in which Fluence operates? Yeah, I mean, as you know, Fluence is, you know, we have uh, storage products. For the first time, we have seen a tax credit directly attached to the storage and storage is, you know, plays a significant role in stabilizing the renewables as well as providing additional features. So the tax credits we saw, you know, previously were like connected to, hey, storage plus solar. But, you know, thanks for, you know, the IRA, we are essentially able to decouple and really test what, you know, the battery systems can do. How can they add for grid reliability? How can they add for transmission, you know, betterment of transmission and so on, stability and so on. So this is where we are seeing a lot of value coming from on these additional use cases for storage, which can you know, be driven forward. The innovation can be driven forward through IRA. We are expecting there will be about 100 gigawatts of storage will be added in the United States itself by 2030 through this process of IRA. And that probably translates to like 30, 40, between 30 to $40 billion of investment into this. So it's a significant role that IRA will be playing specifically on where the fluence operates uh, from storage perspective. But in terms of capabilities, it sounds like obviously there's going to be more investment, you know, billions and billions of dollars in, in batteries and testing and things like that. But for your offerings, what do you see or how do you see those capabilities scaling up or, or improving as propelled by the IRA? Yeah, so definitely we are already seeing a lot, massive scaling of energy storage and renewable assets happening globally, not just in the United States. And IRA is just going to add, I would call, you know, the fuel to the fire. So um 
the great thing about uh, the AI-based applications we spoke about um, and the digitization is that, you know, they will help us scale in a cost-effective and timely manner. Those are the two dimensions we need to be really aware of as we start scaling rapidly, right? If you, if you stick with the old manual, you know, principles, for example, the manual trading techniques or traditional asset management uh, tools that come with sometimes the hardware, they are very manual in nature. They are essentially depending on the asset owners and operates to make decisions. Whereas if you start adopting these digital technologies we mentioned, where auto- uh, you know, automation and also ability to self-rectify you know, are the key points that is where that will help, you know, the asset owners and operators to open themselves for scalability and not, you know, not get stuck in operations, slow down and hinder the growth. So I think it's, you know, it's a win-win situation really. As we add more scalability, the digital applications will play a greater role as the market needs more applications to solve the problems there will be a lot of innovation happening. So we we expect to see the capabilities provided by digital platform software to scale up rapidly as the adoption scales up. So one of the things I'm kind of interested to see is how the IRA uh, affects energy markets, not just here in the US, but globally. And so I want to ask you, how many countries or regions are you operating in right now? So Fluence uh, operates um, in 40 markets globally. We, we have uh, footprints in more than 40 markets. And as you know, when I say Fluence, uh, we are a unique company with storage products, the related services and the software all put together under the same roof. So that, that is where our footprint is. Um, if you consider my products, we call them the Fluence IQ digital platform. We have uh, the two products I mentioned, Mosaic and Nispera, and with more than 16 gigawatts of uh, footprint all over the world. Nispera especially can be deployed anywhere in the world, whereas the Mosaic is, uh, the bidding application is market specific. So that's where we are today. Yeah, and I asked that because, you know, one of the things I think is underrated about the IRA is that some of the, the growth and increased capabilities that it drives domestically can then just be applied everywhere. Obviously not a mosaic for the bidding piece, but some of the other stuff in local markets where it's applicable. Uh, I think people are just kind of overlooking that a little bit. Yeah, the work we are going to be doing for Nispera, how we are going to develop the asset management, automation, and you know self-correction through IRA in the United States is immediately applicable instantly all over the world. So yeah, they definitely get the benefit of it. You said you listened to this podcast before. So one thing I like to ask guests is for their bold predictions. I'm going to put it to you. Where do you see these capabilities and you know, this, these technologies and digitalization in, say, five to 10 years? Where are we? Sure. The next five to 10 years uh, is, in my opinion, rubber meeting the road, right? We are now deploying and the infrastructure is getting deployed, which means there will be a lot of adoption along with macro changes. We discussed like, you know, the DES where it's more of a consumerization of the whole, you know, system, right? This is where the digital becomes critical. And I think what's going to happen is it's not only that the digital is a differentiator for you to be successful operating these systems, but it is also the platform on which we are going to innovate new solutions to answer for these markets, right? The energy companies, as I talk with more energy companies on a day-to-day basis, I see them thinking themselves as a technology company generating energy or, you know, managing energy, delivering energy. It's not the vice versa like a few years ago where, hey, we need technology as well to deploy, right? So I'm very bullish on how software 
can be, you know, directly impacting this whole adoption and also how, you know, it, it, it impacts our environment as we go through this process. Um, the analogy I can give is because you asked for a bold prediction, today we are carrying these Motorola brick cell phones that came in 1980s. And what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years is that every kid will start having an iPhone. It's it's going to be as different as that. So the adoption is because of the technology, the digitization, the availability of the software. Uh, personally, I'm hoping that you know our mosaic uh, bidding application will be there in every deregulated market that we can technically support. Our Nispera product really becomes one of the world leading APMs. And I even think of it like a Google map of renewables. I would love to see almost all the world renewables being tracked uh, through our Nispera platform. So, you know, I don't know if that is bold enough for you, but those are the big bets that are definitely happening in the industry where I think digitization and the software is going to play the critical role uh, for the rubber meeting the road context. Well, I think that's bold enough because uh, I do believe that uh, we went from Motorola brick phones to iPhones in about 20 to 30 years. And so if you say we're going to do that in this space in just five to 10 I'd say that's pretty bold. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, hey, thank you very much, Krishna. I really appreciate your time. Your insights have been fantastic. Yeah. I also want to you know, thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity. And I really want to say, as bold as it sounds, I want to see this podcast becoming the top podcast in the world that's actually making a difference for what this industry is doing. I want to thank you for this opportunity again, Sean. I appreciate that. That's what we're trying to do. Great. Thanks. Well, that's our show for today. But before we get out of here, I want to say one final thank you to the sponsor of this episode, ABS Quality Evaluations. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at RenewablesPod. And if you'd like a daily dose of renewable news delivered to your inbox, head to SmartBrief.com and sign up for the Renewable Energy Smart Brief. The Renewable Energy Smart Pod is a production of SmartBrief, a future company.